deep in the night Your heart fills with dread Probably a murderer who wants you dead It could be a ghost, a demon or worse Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse It's hopeless, you're doomed You'd call a priest if you could You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood I'm gonna kill you Well, hello, hello on this Post uh, Turkey Day, if you're Black in the Friday. States, Black Friday celebration, November 25th. Uh, we're recording this pre Turkey Day, but I'm going to go ahead and say my the pies that I'm going to bake today. I mean, um, the pies that I baked Wednesday were great. <laughs> they came. I didn't burn anything. Nice. I didn't mess up my green bean casserole. Everything was on point. <laughs> Tommy brought me some deviled eggs to try earlier. He found a recipe that was million dollar deviled eggs. I got to tell you. They're so good. And I was like, what makes this million dollar? Do you know the ingredient he told me? He's like, I ground up coins. <laughs> it's gold. It's gold bars. <laughs> butter. Ooh. Have you ever heard of butter in a deviled egg? Uh, no. I have. My cousin just called and said, my mom's making her regular ones. And my cousin said, I'm going to make cupcake deviled eggs. Oh, what's that? Uh, apparently, she got off TikTok. You separate the egg whites. You put them in a muffin tin, bake the muffin tin, and then you cook the egg yolk separately and then mix everything you're going to mix in there. I don't really understand, aside from boiling, like how consistency it's going to be. I'm going to go ahead and say I loved the cupcake <laughs> if this is Can Friday. Can you save me one of these? I will. I'm very curious what I this is. I was very curious, too. I think as like an oddity, people will probably eat them, but I'll put one in the fridge for you. Thank but you. I yeah, love deviled eggs. She saw it off TikTok, so it's nice. always fun to try a new thing. I think so. And I got to say, if you are looking for a deviled egg recipe... For your, some people do Thanksgiving on the weekend. In fact, we're going to another family uh, Thanksgiving on Saturday. Look up, Google this million dollar deviled egg because it involves butter. And I'm going to go ahead and say they're the best deviled eggs I've ever had. They're very, very good. Yeah. You're going to be the everybody's favorite at the party if you bring those in. He also made a peanut butter pie and he is making his famed Cheeto mac and cheese tomorrow. Man, that stuff. Yeah. I, um, have been the taste tester, so I think my role is equally as important. A hundred percent. Thank you. You have. I was re-listening to the Mini Lights episode, and we were you were like telling me a certain way to do things, and I said you're very specific, and I love you for that. <laughs> and because you know, how else would we notice these things in our lives? Like you wouldn't know if it tastes a little funky or off unless he served it to you first. You told him you judged it. Now you won't embarrass yourself in front right. of your guests, and which him. really is just your parents, but. <laughs> Well, I'm always trying to make him look as good as possible. So if I need to be like, you need Same. more salt, you need more butter. But I said these are these are perfect. These are great. So he's he's uh the the baking champ, and Paris has promised to help me with the pies. So nice. we'll be good to go here. Well, speaking of champs, you are the story gathering champ, and our listeners are all the champs for sending these in. We have got. A wide array today, Mm -hmm. including, I mean, we're starting off with one that I found so shocking. This one is very shocking. We've had a few listeners write in about their near misses with serial killers, and I leave shook every time. Mm -hmm. Like, the one, someone recently about um, Ivan Milat, Mm -hmm. the Australian one. That same listener said Wolf Creek is based on him. Well, we've since watched Wolf Creek 1 and 2. The third comes out in 2023. I, they are some of the most effective horror movies I've seen. It's, they're not for the faint of heart. If you don't like gore, I would skip them, especially the second one. But my God, if that is what that man did, horrifying, and the fact that our listener and her friend escaped a fate uh, worse than death is just remarkable. And this first one is is very similar as well. Wait, and I think we, we should cover Ivan Milat because someone else wrote in and said while he was caught and convicted, there are allegations that family members of his were complicit mm. and either helped him after the fact or during the fact that maybe that part of it you know just something else that Mm -hmm. we could you know possibly look into uh especially if it's so well known and and such a it's a case where i think our listener and then we found someone else on inside edition that they had gotten away too so he was prevalent in that area dude wolf creek 
my gosh. It's uh, the, the horror movies that are like everybody's just minding their own business and then a horror movie happens because of a real person are the mm-hmm. ones that trigger me the most. And these are very scary. We've been watching all, since probably before Halloween, maybe even the first of October, almost every night Tommy and I have watched a horror movie to the point where I'm now going to start cataloging them and putting notes because we can't even remember what we've seen. But I will say recent ones I've watched that I highly recommend are Piggy and Something in the Dirt, which is what we watched last night. Okay. Highly recommend both of those. We all have y'all have a very good horror taste. So you've not steered me wrong yet. Well, those are both they're both very different, um, but both very well done. Nice. Well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get freaky. This first one, like we said, is from Allison Hindman. And the subject line is that time I was almost a victim of a serial killer. I was in middle school and in the prime of my show jumping career. We were at a horse show at the Katy Equestrian Center in Katy, Texas, when my mom and her friend found a card for a horse farrier. As some might not know, this is a hard service to obtain good and consistent work from. So they both called and set up an appointment with this man. He started doing farrier work for us at the stables where we boarded our horses at in Stafford, Texas. He would never finish all the horses in one day because something would always come up and he would need to leave. He'd tell my mom that he could pick me up from school and I could help him with our horses so she wouldn't have to leave work or could do other things. Of course, my parents wouldn't let that happen because of obvious reasons. He would call and leave messages on our answering machine all the time telling my parents this, as if to pressure them into leaving me with him. One day he told my parents he would be gone for a few weeks because he needed to go to Oklahoma. A few weeks later, my mom gets a phone call from the Oklahoma FBI saying that they needed to speak with her. Two men and a woman from the FBI then come to my house and ask my parents how they know William Reese. They explain how, and while they're doing so, the woman agent notices me sitting on the couch and asks who I was. They proceeded to tell my parents that they believe William was trying to kidnap me from evidence they found in his truck, and that he was also suspected at the time of killing three young girls in Oklahoma. This made sense with all the ridiculous attempts to try to get me alone. During the time we were seeing William Reese as our horse farrier around 1997, he started dating my mom's best friend, who also had horses stabled with us. My mom started to think that this match was weird, especially after one time while he was working on our horses. He supposedly got so overheated, he had to take his shirt off to cool down. He then flexed his muscles as if to show off. Later, my parents realized this was an effort to impress me, a child. Gag, what a loser. When he did this, my mom saw his very racist white supremacy type tattoos and decided to mention them to her friend. This was important because her friend was the mother of a young mixed race child and was still married but long separated from a non-white man. When my mom's friend was surprised, my mom asked how she hadn't seen them. She replied that he would just never go further than making out, and she thought that was because he was just being respectful. My mom's friend confronted William about the tattoos, and he told her he got them when he was in prison to be part of a gang for protection. She was uncomfortable with it and broke things off. They're pretty sure he was dating her just to get my parents more comfortable with him, in hopes I would be left alone with him. Now, these revelations were in hindsight after the FBI came to my parents and told them he was stalking me from the evidence found. This all happened around the same time he murdered Tiffany Johnston of Oklahoma, then Laura Smith, Jessica Kane, and Kelly Ann Cox, all from Texas. The time frames add up where he was doing farrier work for us during and in between the murders. Had the abduction of Sandra Sapoff fully worked and she had also been brutally murdered, I probably would not be writing this submission to you today, but Sandra was able to jump out of his moving truck on the Gulf Freeway, survive, and essentially get William caught. I believe she saved my life, along with possibly some others. Oh, and another interesting piece of info found out from the FBI was when he would come to our stables, he would sometimes have heavy equipment on his truck, like bulldozers or tractors. My parents just assumed he was working two jobs since he was so inconsistent with his visits. Turns out, 
He was stealing heavy equipment from construction sites and selling them on some sort of black market for stolen heavy equipment. Thank you so much for reading and covering my story. I love the show and y'all are awesome. Keep it creepy, Allison Heineman. This guy. Oh, is, man. Um, He's a true friggin' monster. If you, a quick Google search of William Reese will shock you to your core. And she's totally right that Sandra jumping out, they said that she jumped out and was having some issues remembering. And when they put her under hypnosis, she could remember his license plate. Wow. But she was able to go back and remember his license plate. And from that, and, and then they showed her a photo array. She singled him out. She recognized him. And that that led to him being uh, charged with kidnapping and sentenced to 60 years in prison. And once he was charged and imprisoned, then they got a uh, a court order to get his DNA test or his get his DNA, run it through CODIS. And that's whenever he started matching other murders. And then once they matched the murders, he finally confessed to them and then began cooperating. Uh, but she's exactly right. It was he he stated he fit, committed his first murder on April 3rd, 1997. So that's right. The time. Wow. That he would have been the farrier. And you think you just, you pick up a card at a horse mm-hmm. show. And that changes the whole trajectory of your life. Good for your parents for realizing, nah, this is fucked up. We're not going to let you alone with this guy. And good for the FBI on like, not just not updating you guys on what's going on, but letting you be proactive. And that's to have the FBI show up at your door and be like, The guy that's working for you, yeah, we think he's just been grooming your entire family and your best friend to try and get your daughter alone so he can abduct her and eventually murder her. But, Mm -hmm. wow, it's um, it's just jumping out of that car like the 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 Ivan Milat one. Women that are like and teenage girls, anyone that's driving on the highway and you're like, fuck. This I got I got to make a split decision and you're brave enough to throw mm-hmm. open that door and be like, I might die one way or the other, but at least it's going to be on my own terms if I do. And I'm going to go down fighting. And that was uh, heroes. Carol Durant did that with Ted Bundy. She jumped yeah. out of the car and was then able to help them piece together the handcuffs and things like that. So it is astounding bravery and extreme danger. Mm-hmm. And, and, and like exactly what Allison said, it probably saved several more lives yeah. him getting stop absolutely countless yeah i mean he had just started he had just gotten started so mm-hmm. who knows where that could have gone well thank you allison for writing in and we're so glad that you are physically safe and we hope emotionally you've been able to get some help with all that that's a that's something that you gotta have a lot of therapy to unpack a near miss with a serial killer yeah damn for sure yeah yeah no certainly well, this next one, also a doozy. This one is from Rachel, and in parentheses, she put the Dallas live show girl who got burned by the chicken sandwich at ACL. And Rachel, we know exactly who you are because of that. <laughs> and then we saw you again at this last Dallas yep, live yep. show. <laughs> she was at the most recent show, too. So thank you so much, Rachel, for the support, and thank you for writing this in. The subject line is, a funny party story from when I was 19 isn't so funny anymore. Love you, mean it. This is long, but worth it, and includes a twist, so no time for anything else. When I was a sophomore in college, I still lived on campus, but it was routine for me to spend every weekend drinking at my best friend's apartment and crashing on his couch. A normal Friday night included me pre-gaming hard since I was under 21, and then we'd go to our local dive bar. This night was no different, except that we met a hilarious Swedish exchange student. Has nothing to do with the story, but we need comedic relief, and I love him. He knew exactly three English phrases, fuck Canada, go Red Sox, and how about them apples? Anyway, at one point, I got a text from my mom because some random number had texted her thinking she was me. I, being 19 and drunk, didn't think anything of it and told her I'd take care of it. I texted him, and the guy said I had gotten really drunk at a party and given him my number because we were hitting it off. First of all, I didn't go to big parties with strangers. Secondly, there is absolutely no circumstance where I get so drunk I give a guy my mom's phone number. I let him gaslight me into believing it and continued to flirty text with him. I didn't get much attention from guys back then. He sends me a video, blank screen, like his phone is face down on the table, of himself singing John Legend's All of Me, which I was apparently drunk enough to find romantic and not exceedingly creepy. 
we get home and I start to sober up and realize how much isn't adding up. The guy had told me he was a third-year law student, so I decided to check our school's web directory to verify it. He was, but that's when it clicked with me, and I went to my own directory page. Sure enough, my mom's phone number was listed under my name. I texted the guy to call him out. He caved and said yes, he had gotten my number from the directory, but that it was because he was looking for a group project member with my last name, saw me, and thought I was so beautiful he had to talk to me. Two issues here. I was the only person in my school with my last name, and I had retaken my ID picture when I lost it a while back and looked real schlubby. After several days of him continuing to text me, begging for my forgiveness, to meet up for coffee and just, quote, see how it goes, and another weird singing video, this time the Jackson 5's I Want You Back, he finally got the hint and left me alone. Side note, this was in 2013, before you could block numbers on your iPhone. His number was blocked the second that feature rolled out. I googled him a few years later to see if he ever became a lawyer, and he kind of did. He, air quote, owned his own practice in a strip mall where his only Yelp review was from his mom. Fast forward to today. I decided to write to y'all, so I googled him one more time. Well, my entire world was rocked because in 2019, this fuck was arrested for solicitation of a minor. Long story short, a woman had hired him as a lawyer because her 14-year-old daughter was being bullied in school. This creepazoid abused his position and started texting the girl things like, it's my mission to teach you to party. Asking her what she liked to drink, she replied Dr. Pepper, which is so wholesome and sad. Telling her what sexual positions he wanted to engage in with her, and a lot of other things I won't mention here because I already feel like I need a shower. 109 pages of text screenshots from a single month. Thank God he was sentenced to 10 years in prison, and hopefully he serves every single day of it. A story that I used to tell at parties about my cyber stalker got a whole lot darker today, but I am so glad that as far as we know, he never actually got the chance to physically harm anyone. I hope he's miserable in prison. Me too. What a fucking loser from everything about this. Moment one to the cell door clinking behind him. Mm -mm. But the phone number off of the directory is bizarre. It's, uh, I, I feel like he was probably just looking at the directory at pictures and stuff. And just maybe even though, even though Rachel, you say you look schlubby, you know, to uh, beauty is in the eye of the beholder to him. Maybe you didn't, or maybe he just randomly picked someone, you know? I mean, who knows what the thought process here was. Clearly it was all lies. The singing makes me want to crawl inside my own butthole. It's so cringy. And like, even if this guy wasn't a total creep, that would have shut it down for me right away. Too much too soon. Mm-hmm. Like my coochie closing like a bear trap. I'm not Mm-mm. no. It's oh. no, yeah, it's too much. Then abusing your power in a position Ugh. of authority like that to a girl, a minor, that's already there because she's being bullied in school. Yeah. And then you just make it even ten times worse, a thousand times worse. Oh my gosh. Dr. Pepper. Mm-hmm. She or doesn't even know. No, and she's being bullied, and now you're like, oh, someone's being nice now to me. Now you're sexually assaulting her and sexually harassing her. Yeah, 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 exactly. Somebody's being nice to me, an adult. He, surely he would be fine. He, My mom hired him to help protect me. God damn, 109 pages of text screenshots. How many of those were songs that he sang to her? God. God. Oh. Yeah. He, uh, I hope he's disbarred if they take away his law license mm-hmm. and let him practice anymore. And definitely, uh, once he's out of prison, uh, some community supervision or something mm-hmm. because he seems like he's been at this for a while and d- did wouldn't slow him down until he got arrested. Yeah. So, God knows what he did between the time that you know y'all met at that part or not met at the party, but the time he texted you and the time that he was arrested. Yeah. That's awful, but you, uh, you know, you you did the right thing as far as shutting it down, and thankfully the iPhone finally. I remember I uh, went through a bad breakup with a borderline stalking situation before iPhones could block people, mm. and there's just nothing worse than a person that you're like, I'll just delete the number, and then they still send horrible mm-hmm. things to you. So thank God we have that block feature. 
I love it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Thank you so much, Rachel, for sending that in. This next one, we got a theme going with these first three. Uh, it was unintentional, but sometimes my subconscious does things that I don't even realize until I go back and read them. But this one is from <laughs> Emily, and the subject line is, when police used me, a nine-year-old, to catch a predator. I grew up in the 90s, and boy, was safety not a concern. My elementary school tasked the fifth graders, I was nine, to be the safety patrol in charge of making sure the younger kids got to school safely. Why children should be in charge of managing traffic for younger kids to cross, I have no idea. But anywho, my friend and I were stationed about a half mile from school, around a curvy road where none of the teachers who were supervising, I use that word lightly, could see us. Day after day, my mom dropped me off at this corner, and we helped little kids cross the road. There was always a man in a van across the road watching. As naive children, we didn't think much of it, until my mom dropped me off later than usual and saw him. Once I told her he's always there watching, she brought it to the school principal, who did absolutely nothing. Not one to shy away, my mom met with the police. So as this is the 90s, naturally the police's idea was to give us a notepad and pen and have us continue to hang out on this corner alone so he wouldn't suspect anything and we could write down his license plate and the time he was there. Basically, we were nine-year-old bait for a man in a van. Comforting, right? My mom would make me hot cocoa before she dropped me off and I would stand on this corner with my notepad and my cocoa, thinking I was a badass undercover cop. Thinking back on it just seems insane. Turns out this man was a pedophile, and his daughter went to the school. He was watching her because there was a restraining order against him. The principal knew he was lingering around the school, but apparently didn't give one shit about this girl's safety. My friend and I won Safety Patrol of the Year, which was a made-up award, but we got a trophy. So I guess it's all worth it now. I have no idea what the police ended up doing, but that man never showed up again, and eventually the school realized having children on a street corner out of sight was a bad idea. Love you guys. I'm a hospice and palliative nurse practitioner, and your episodes bring humor and light to my day when I'm driving between visits. The 90s were a time. It's so loose. Wheels it's so off. Loose. Wild, wild west. Let's put them around a curve where cars can't see them. We can't see them. They'll be fine. Mm -hmm. And then for the police to go, you've got this little buddy. <laughs> you're our new undercover. Get your deputy. cocoa and your notepad and go out there. And of course, as a nine-year-old, you're like, I'm going to crack this. I mean, you're you're like Nancy Drew. <laughs> oh, I would. Yeah. Yeah. Like she said, Emily's standing there. She's got the steam coming up off her cocoa. Mm -hmm. Got her notepad in her pocket. Just wait till he drives up. I'm going to get him. But that is absolutely, you should not be have a child out waiting no. for a pedophile in a van. Definitely not. No, there was a lot wrong with this. Especially once you find out the principal knows what's going on and just shrugs their shoulders. Uh, yeah. Very sad that this little girl's dad was a pedophile and was essentially stalking her at school. Uh, mm -hmm. I I choose to stop thinking about it there as yes. far as well, shout uh, out what, he, what he had done to her. And shout out to Emily's mom for calling the police. Yeah. You know, for becoming involved. And I mean, as kids, you're just like, oh, yeah, he just parks there. You know, it might be watching his kid walk to school. I mean, he was, but not in the way mm -hmm. we want him to. So as a kid, you just don't think anything of it. But, you know, mom radar is like, why the fuck are you watching my mm -hmm. kids? There's no need for that. The teachers aren't even watching them. Who are God, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So good for her for uh, seeing it through. And man, that is scary. And thanks for you to you, Emily, for what you do as a, a hospice and palliative mm -hmm. care nurse. That's a nurse practitioner. That's a hard gig and it's extremely important. So thank you. Well, this next one is from Franny and the subject line is skeptical mom is less skeptical. This story starts around 2012 when I inexplicably started seeing 1111 everywhere. Ladies, I'm not just saying it happened when I looked at a clock. This was something completely different. I'd buy chicken and bananas at the grocery store, and the total came to $11.11. .11. I'd noticed the gas pump wasn't working, and the last sale was $11.11. .11. I started following Beyonce on Instagram when she had 1,111 posts. At work, my German machine would stall at 11.11 .11 millimeters. I was at an event, and it was announced that 1,111 people were in attendance. For years, I've owned a signed piece of artwork by my favorite musician, 
a drawing of a few piano keys, see attached, when one day I realized the black keys look like 1111. This phenomenon happened so much and so often that I started documenting it, and I probably looked like Charlie from It's Always Sunny with this Pepe Sylvia map. My religious mother was skeptical, as she doesn't believe in signs or whatever this was, until one day I picked her up to go to the movies, something we didn't do too often. On the way there, I was telling her about another bout of seeing 1111. Again, my mom reassures me that it's just some weird coincidence as we purchase our tickets and walk towards the hallway leading to the theaters. I asked her what theater our movie was showing in, and I kid you not, she lifts up our two ticket stubs and says 11. I take the ticket stubs and hold them side by side, showing her 1111. Ladies, my very devout mother stopped in her tracks and she looked shook. She admitted, okay, this is weird and maybe it wasn't all just in my head. She asked if 1111 meant something, and I told her the simpler version that she could make a wish. She laughed and passed on the idea. As the years passed, I saw 1111 less and less. Nowadays, I'm less religious and would love to dive in into what 1111 really means and why it decided to appear so much in my life at that time. Have you ever experienced something so strange as being stalked by a repeating set of numbers? So the picture that she sent, it very clearly looks like 1111. I mean, two black keys or four, I guess, next to each other. I Googled what does seeing 1111 all the time mean? And it can be interpreted as a message from your angels or the universe or whatever higher power you believe in that you're on the right path. If you keep seeing 1111 everywhere, it's a sign to keep going and trust the direction you're moving in as everything is falling into place. This is from Women's Health Magazine. So it seems like a good number to see all the time if you're going to see something. Right. It's a positive omen. Like you Mm -hmm. said, some people say a wish. That's a Constantine song by something corporate. It's called Constantine. (laughs) And he says, I always catch the clock at 11 and 11 and want to make a wish about you or whatever. A friend of mine said that she was recently, she goes, I'm seeing 777 everywhere. And I said, like, even on your phone, like the time? And she was like, no, never. <laughs> That's it never not a time does. that exists, but other places. <laughs> that, that would be a concern, though, if you did. But I would go to the casino if I was seeing 777 everywhere and start playing those slots. Good point. Well, yeah, maybe 11-11, it's not go to the casino time. But I think I always take it as that. It's like a nice thing. My grandmother's birthday was 11-11. No, it wasn't. Was it? <laughs> November 11th? What was her birthday? Oh, recently she did have a birthday recently because you said happy birthday to her on an episode, but yeah, I don't was, remember when it was. Well, it was it was at some point. Oh no, it's eleven eleven. That okay, was her birthday. There yeah, you go. that's right. So I always think of my grandmother, whether that's her actually visiting me or I think her. It's one of those where you know something. You're like, that's how you say that word, right? Oh God, my brain glitched. Uh-huh. But when I was trying to remember her birthday, anyhow. But when I see that, um, I I just think of her. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's whatever you attribute it to. It also could be that thing where you you know go red car, and now that I've said that, mm-hmm. like every time you every car you're gonna see is more likely red or whatever. But uh, if it's I think if something helps you and it's a nice, yeah. you know, positive thing. You never know what the universe is trying to trying to say to you. Uh, and, you know, if it was 666, I'd probably be concerned. But I think this sounds like the best number you can see. Best number. Well, if it's 666 at an auction, you keep it so you oh, can win. I auction. still have it. I still have it, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> you have your auction battle. I do. Oh, well, thank you very much, Franny, for sending that one in. This next one is from Kenzie. And the subject line is The Poem Stalker. Hello, guys. My name is Mackenzie, and my sister told me to listen to you, and I haven't stopped since. This story takes place 10 years ago. I was 19 and working at a craft store. I was young and naive. I worked a lot since I was a department manager and trying to pay my bills. My sister and I had recently gotten an apartment together, so bills were a new thing, and I would always opt to work overtime. Because of that, I would offer to come in on truck days at three in the morning to help unload the truck. Honestly, I think my coworkers just liked watching me try. I'm very small, five foot and hardly a hundred pounds at the time, but I help nonetheless. Most of my coworkers and I are still friends to this day. I really cared for them and they really cared for me, almost like a family. Anyway, I'd been working there for a few weeks when I noticed a poem in my locker. I thought it was sweet and didn't think much more of it. Like I said, young and naive. I believe I received three poems total until one day an older man in his 50s, who we'll call Rodney, offered to get me lunch while he was on his lunch. 
I accepted because of free food and I was broke. He picked me up a sandwich and left it in the break room. It was finally time for me to eat, and I go in and see the bag with my name on it. I opened the bag and dug in. I went to grab a napkin out of the bag and pulled a handful of napkins out and a poem. It was Rodney who was writing these. Still young and dumb here, I just thanked him for the food and the poem and went about my day. He continues to do this until one day our boss catches him trying to leave a poem in my locker again. She spoke with me and asked me about it. I told her everything. She asked me whether I felt comfortable around him and do I want him to stop. I told her the truth. I honestly didn't know how to take it. I am 19 and he's in his 50s. Not to mention, I am gay. Very openly gay. So I automatically assumed no man would pursue me. Needless to say, she spoke with him and told him to stop. It wasn't appropriate behavior. God, I wish the story ended here, but it does not. A week goes by and it's truck day. Rodney is helping that morning as well. We're about halfway done unloading and I go to use the restroom. I didn't know this, but Rodney followed me and stood outside the bathroom. By the time I got out, the boss had him in her office. He was fired that day. She had been keeping an eye on him through the cameras and apparently he followed me a lot. I was so shaken by this. It opened my eyes for the first time to how oblivious I was to stranger danger. Needless to say, it's been years, and that event has faded from my mind until recently when another Freaky Friday listener told their story about the stalker at work. I wish as women we wouldn't have to go through things like this, but we do. If it wasn't for my boss at the time, I would hate to think of what would have happened to me, but I'm thankful to this day that she was watching out for me. Love the show and love you guys. Stay freaky. I love to see this of a female boss, women taking care of other women, because don't blame yourself, first of all, Kinsey, saying that you're young and dumb, because 19 and openly gay, most of us wouldn't think a 50-year-old man that's a coworker would try and woo us romantically. Mm-mm. That being said... An older female boss that has her head on a swivel, that's seeing everything going around, I'm here for that. Keeping tabs on your employees. And the fact that she brought her in and said, are you okay with this? You know, empowering her to be like, you can make the decision of what's going to happen here. But then also recognizing that she needed to, it didn't end there. Keep tabs on him still. And she sees he's following her around. That's so creepy when you think back to like the past few weeks and what you didn't know was going on. Right. All the different places. Mm -hmm. Did he he follow you to the bathroom every time Mm -hmm. you went? Was he following you when you went into a storage room or supply closet? Did he go to your car? Like the the poems, I don't know what they said, but I'm sure they were romantic or flirty in nature, you know? Mm -mm. 50s, even if you're straight. A 50-year-old man coming after a 19-year-old girl, that ain't a good look most of the time. No. Yeah. Unless everybody's consenting, but that age gap, it makes it hard for me to think just emotionally, you're not, and, you know, biologically, like, your brains aren't the same. True. And also, if you're coworkers and you have, you know, she's in a management position so young, like, do you feel like a weird obligation of like, well, I can't be rude to my colleagues or I can't be rude because I'm the department manager and he just works here. Mm -hmm. You know, it puts somebody in a really awkward position. It's a weird power dynamic, almost like a reversal of of power, even though you're uh, above him in the in the workplace. Yeah, and anytime somebody in the workplace like this, it's like if if it, the the river ain't flowing both ways, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like he's just putting the poems, and she's not like, "I got your poem, we should go out." And yeah. It's like fucking stop. But like you said, ten out of ten to this boss for yeah. saying, uh, "Let me, are you okay?" And I then love that. whenever it escalated further, be like, "We're shutting this down. Yeah. We're not." Because the other one, you know, it was kind of like, "Oh well, he did this to a couple other girls. Sorry, I yeah. guess we could, you know, him and Han." So we like this unequivocal, shut it down, mm-hmm. no matter who you are if you're in a position of power watch out for those folks underneath you because this could happen anybody mm-hmm. you know and it's it's important to be you know watching the cameras not just going eh, fuck it whatever you yeah. know when it's when it's people's lives on the line even if you are just unloading craft supplies <laughs> well thank you very much kinsey for sharing that and thank you to your sister for recommending the show and for you to listening to her and listening to us uh this next one is from sam and the subject line is mama sandy pulls rank Sam's haunted best friend. 
This is an ongoing series. If you're new to Freaky Friday, Mama mm-hmm. Sandy has get, delivered us several wonderful Many. Freaky Friday tales. Via always, her. always great stories. Sam is a phenomenal writer. So, well, we love getting these stories. We love a good Mama Sandy mm-hmm. update. Sam writes to us, well, you did it. You made my mom cry. Good tears, no worries. It took me a while after you shared her last story to be able to sit and listen with her, and she thanks you all for your very kind words. I thank you as well. I can't thank you enough, truly. After we both had a good cry together, she said, You were right. That one was pretty morbid. Maybe you should give him a break. Send in one of your stories instead. I said, One of my stories? What do you mean? She responded by rattling off some of the worst experiences of my life. So I asked how this was the less morbid option, and she laughed, which had been my goal, so score one for me. Anyway, she was insistent I share something I've experienced to give y'all a break from her sadder ones. We eventually settled on this one, and it's a wild ride, so strap in while you can. When I was in sixth grade, middle school for California people, I don't know if it's different for y'all, a family moved into the house across the street and two houses down from me. They had a daughter that was five years older than me and a daughter that was exactly my age. Even though the younger daughter went to a different middle school than I did, I quickly became best friends with her. We're going to call her Erin. Now, I'd known the family that lived in this house before as well. They'd also had a child my age, and we had been casual friends. I never had any strange encounters or bad feelings in that house before Erin and her family moved in. But the more time I spent with Erin, the more I started experiencing things that I couldn't explain. I was brought up in a Baptist household. I was not a stranger to tales of demons or evil entities trying to hurt you or attach to you. So when shit started happening to me when I was at Aaron's, I knew it wasn't just my imagination. For a little while, there's nothing unusual. But suddenly, and sorry, I can't pinpoint a super specific time for you here, maybe a couple years after we met, I think we were in high school, maybe, when staying the night with Aaron in her room, I found myself struggling to sleep. I was a bad sleeper at home, so at first, I didn't think it was weird. But the problem was she had a cat. We're going to call her Kitty. Kitty would, in the middle of the night, completely freak out at something in Aaron's room. It was a dark, shadowy mass that would move around and hover or perch anywhere in the room all night until light began to seep through the blinds. At first, I was waking up because Kitty was making noises at this mass or jumping on me or the bed because of it. But then, of course, when I saw it myself, I knew that it was going to be there when we went to sleep, and I couldn't relax. Once I noticed it, every night I stayed within Aaron's room, the black mass was present. I could feel it watching us, no matter where it was in the room. Aaron didn't believe me when I told her about it, which is strange because she was very superstitious. I don't know if it's because she was a heavy sleeper, so she had never seen it, or she just thought I was a baby— but she didn't ever take it seriously. It was around this time that Aaron and I began sharing dreams. I mean that I would be dreaming something very specific and scary, and where my dream left off, Aaron's dream would begin, and she'd continue with what was happening, exactly like mine. We had that experience several times through the years, sometimes with me having the first dream in the sequence, and sometimes her. Eventually, after another year-ish of the Black Mass, I stopped sleeping with Erin in her room whenever I would stay the night because I couldn't stand the thing watching us. So instead, I started sleeping on the couch in the living room. This was a mistake. Every time I stayed over on the couch, I'd wake up in the middle of the night because I could hear whispering. I'd sit up and look around the room, but there would be no one around me, not in the living room, dining room, kitchen, or entryway. All of these areas were parts of the house open to each other, So if I was lying on the couch, for clarification, I could look around my body 360 degrees and see all of these spaces and confirm no one was out there with me. Constantly being woken up by whispering around me when I was alone was, you know, terrifying as shit. So I started falling asleep with the TV on to help drown out the whispers. Sleeping with the TV on was the same thing I did at my own house, too. So I thought this would help me once and for all be able to sleep peacefully at errands. Once again, I was very mistaken. One night, I was asleep on the couch, the TV blaring, and even the kitchen light on, and for once, all seemed like it would be a calm night. I was awakened by a very loud conversation between at least three different voices sometime after midnight. George Lopez was playing, you know, that eerie old-time cable. 
I could tell immediately the voices were in the kitchen, where they often were, hence the aforementioned lights being on, and I could tell they were not in English. I can still hear these voices crystal clear in my memory. I've looked up and listened to many global voices, and I have yet to find one that sounds like what I was hearing. Subtly, I tried to turn my head on my pillow to look into the kitchen, and the minute I did this, the voices all went completely silent. No one was in the kitchen, and this eerie, unhappy vibe surrounded my entire body. I turned my head back toward the blaring TV, thinking to myself that I just needed to forget about it and fall back asleep. The minute I closed my eyes, I could see, clear as day, either in my mind's eye or through my eyelids, whatever you want to believe, this is what I saw. An extremely thin, extremely frail, dirty, bedraggled little girl dressed in rags, bending over me. She had long hair that was dark with grime and was so dirty it fell around her and onto me in little dreadlocks. Her head was huge, much bigger than what was natural for her tiny body, and she had a minuscule mouth over a tiny chin, a thin, barely there nose like a snake, and humongous eyes. The irises were huge, meeting each lid, but the pupil was very small. This monstrous thing was bending over my body on the couch, like it was examining me, like I was a fucking science experiment or something. But this is just the description of what she looked like. She smelled like moldy cheese and vomit and sulfur. I immediately opened my eyes and gasped, ready to scream bloody murder and shit my entire soul out of my body. But the minute my eyes were open for real, she was not there. There's no way I was dreaming, and this isn't sleep paralysis, because I'm moving around, sitting up, whipping my head around everywhere like the goddamn exorcist kid. Unsure, terrified, I lay back down and closed my eyes again. She was there, again. This happened two or three more times before I accepted that she was just going to be there when I closed my eyes and there was nothing I could do about it. After a while, she raised her tiny hands and hovered them over me like she was going to touch me, but she never did. I refused to open my eyes again after a while, instead chanting in my head the Lord's Prayer over and over and over until it became almost like breathing, until I hadn't realized I had fallen asleep. And then finally, blissfully, it was morning and I was alone. It never happened again after that night, I think mostly because I didn't sleep in the living room anymore. Well, I didn't sleep over often anymore, ever, honestly. I took to sleeping in the spare room whenever I stayed after that, which wasn't very often. Aaron and I had a very hard, bad falling out when I left for college. It's a long story that we don't need to cover here. Less true crime and more just emotional crime. Suffice to say, she betrayed me very badly and decided she hated me. She had been like a sister to me all those years, and suddenly I lost her in my life relatively overnight. Sometimes I go through my old boxes of trinkets and keepsakes from growing up, and millions of pictures of us together will remind me of everything we went through. It was a very difficult period for me, and I've never been able to shake the feeling that the thing in her house, whatever it was, may have affected her, or infected her, changed her in some way over time. I wanted to believe anything other than she had just been a liar for all those years, honestly, but I don't know. What do y'all think? Love from me and Mama Sandy. Keep it creepy, friends. Well, the first thing I think is... I don't think after the first night of seeing a black mass watching me, I would have ever set foot in that house again. So, Sam, you were very brave to keep spending the night over there for years and even being like, okay, well, I'll just move to the other room, knowing (laughs) that that thing is still in there. So you're braver than I am. I don't think I would have been able to do that. I would have said, let's sleep over at my house instead. (laughs) Right. Let's do my house. Well, I know when you're in middle school, you know, you want to be liked. You want people to get Mm -hmm. along sixth grade. Like you're really trying to fit in. If you have this best friend and they want you to sleep over, you're like, oh, even though there's a demon in your room. (laughs) All right. But that is it's wild if she was if Aaron was superstitious that she was like brushing it off. But, you know, in a grand conspiracy, if there is something trying to overtake her or something like that, you know, maybe cause some of her skepticism. That is very creepy to hear those voices whispering in a different language. And as soon as you turn and look, they stop. Mm -hmm. And then I don't want to be inspected by anything like I'm some sort of science experiment or sized up by an entity or a person. Frankly, don't size me up. You see what you see. (laughs) (laughs) I was just reading something 
yesterday about how it's and I'm not saying that's this is what happens here. I I never want to ever uh poo-poo what anyone thinks that they have gone through because like we say all the time, perception's your own reality and what you believe is gonna influence what you think may have happened. But for what it's worth, I was reading about how it's really common when you're falling asleep to hear voices. And it's called, we've talked about the hypnagogic uh, state, but Mm -hmm. it's like hypnagogic auditory hallucination, or I don't remember exactly what it was called. But I was, I hear that a lot. I hear when I'm like trying to fall asleep, I'll be like, is one of the kids crying? Or like, did I just hear, like, is a TV on or something like that? It made me feel better when I saw a million people on this TikTok Yes, I get my... When I say I was reading an article... I read the news. I was watching TikTok. (laughs) But it was a lot of people saying like, oh, yeah, this happens to me all the time. So I felt better that it wasn't... It made me feel less like there was something going on creepy and more that it's just like how our brains try to fall asleep. That is uh, a... It's comforting to know Mm -hmm. that there's a possible legitimate explanation. I like that. It makes me think of So I Married an Axe Murderer when his dad's like, get me the paper. And it's the (laughs) Weekly World News. (laughs) Like, I I was listening to a commentator and you're like, was it a TikToker? Was was. it an influencer? But I will say. Yes, it was. Well, there's some highly qualified people in there. There's some not so highly qualified people. It's just like real life. Yeah. It's just like real life. I vet them. I vet them. Exactly. Vet your sources. So that's what I, I do. If I like... Find a new TikToker I like. I'll go to other videos and kind of go, okay, well, let mm-hmm. me hear you talk about something I know about to know if you're wrong. Yeah, yeah. Or I'll check the comments. I'm like, how many verified people are commenting on this? Like, what are we what are we working with here? Yeah, right. What are we working in? Well, Sam, that that is a sad thing that I've had, you know, childhood, yeah. middle school, high school friendships blow up like that. And like you said, you want to say, well, maybe she was possessed and she really mm-hmm. was nice until this ghoul got her because it does help. It's a salve on your heart. You know, yeah. it's like once you hear about this auditory hallucination, you're like, maybe it wasn't really demons. But if it makes you feel better, I say, like you said, perception's reality. I think she was possessed because only a possessed person would not want to be friends with you. And by default, Mama Sandy. Oh, God. Yeah, you're missing out on Mama Sandy, <laughs> yeah. love. I don't Aaron, know how you, you live across the street from Mama Sandy and you try and... And you do something shitty to her kid. You, that, you don't do that. Yeah. Looking a gift horse in the mouth. Well, mm-hmm. thank you, Sam. And thank you, Mama Sandy, for encouraging Sam to share this story. We appreciate yes. it. Yes. Thank you so much to everyone that sent in your stories. These were some rough ones. And, you know, we try and give a variety of rough ones mixed with some ones that maybe are a little lighter. So we're not all just like... Good Lord, after listening to an episode. So I think the only one that was light was maybe the 1111 one. So <laughs> we'll uh, just remind everyone, look for numbers in your life today and every day. And if your clock says 777, call Apple Care. Yeah, <laughs> something probably you need to replace something. It's it was correct. broken. Um, and yeah, and thank you to everybody who wrote them in truly, because like we heard with a couple of these stories, hearing someone else share their story empowers them to feel mm-hmm. like they can be vulnerable and share it as well. So you never know. It's it, Some people like listening, but some people you may inspire them to, whether they tell the story to us, somebody they love or a you know, therapist or counselor or whatever, there's always power in sharing. Absolutely. So thanks again. Well, if you have an odd but true story you'd like to share, maybe you've encountered Bigfoot, you've seen a UFO, you had a brush with true crime, or you felt the presence of an otherworldly being, send them in at Sinisterhood.com slash Freaky Friday. We love providing Sinisterhood to you at no cost, so if you like what you hear, consider supporting the show by donating to our Patreon. We're a small operation, creating this show for you by researching, writing, recording, and producing it ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the cost of making and hosting the show. As a thank you, you get some sweet perks like ad-free episodes, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those in the ruling the airwaves and getting into it tier, a special shout-out on the show, a monthly bonus mini-sode, and patron-exclusive video and audio content including Am I the Asshole, Relationship Advice, Judge Christie, Dear Sinister, True Crime Headlines, and more. We're about to record a True Crime Headlines in the next couple days, talking about the Elizabeth Holmes sentencing, talking about uh, Florida Lee, the Brazilian prime minister that murdered her husband and all sorts of stuff that we did an episode on. She was finally just recently sentenced. Mm -hmm. And the Daryl Brooks sentencing, the Waukesha 
parade attack trial. So we're going to cover some three very in the, I mean, like it's true crime headlines. That's what it's called. And these are true crime headlines. So there's true crime stories that recently came out. (laughs) So look for that in uh, this week. We're recording it Friday. So post it sometime soon. You also have the fun perk of access to our Discord server where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss the latest in true crime, share personal ghost stories, or just post adorable pictures of your pets. We hop on occasionally, and we host monthly Q&As on Crowdcast, where you can ask us all your burning questions. For patrons not in the U.S., you have the option to pay in pounds or euros, saving you the cost of the conversion fee. Annual memberships for all tiers are also now available. Those that select this option will be rewarded with a free month of membership. For more details on all of this and specific member tiers, visit SinisterHood.com and click Patreon on the top banner. So many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you supporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Good job. But guess what? We've got an all new design coming. We're going to drop it for you soon, just in time for the holidays to treat yourself for whatever reason you want. So if you want to get some cool Sinisterhood swag in the meantime, you can get some cold weather stuff like beanies, hoodies, T-shirts, totes, clothes for your kiddos or mugs. mugs. Good old coffee mug, tea mugs, cozy cozy hot tea. Mm -hmm. Head to uh, to Sinisterhood.com and click shop on the top banner. The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. You can also share any episode by clicking the three dots in the top right corner and share topic-based playlists from Spotify by visiting SinisterHood.com slash playlists. All of this means so much to us and really helps podcasts like us get more exposure. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod, like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood, and follow us on TikTok and YouTube at Sinisterhood Podcast. Christy, where are you at? I am on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace and Twitter and TikTok at Christy or GTFO. Heather? I'm perusing the interwebs on Twitter at MCK versus the world and on TikTok and Instagram at Heather versus the world. Just before we do our closeout, it's Thanksgiving. We're very thankful for all of you, everybody that tunes in weekly. Supports us on Patreon, sends us encouraging messages, reaches out. We could not be doing this without all of you, and we sincerely, sincerely thank each and every one of you. This is our dream job, at least for me. Yeah, I, uh, for sure. And I could Absolutely. not do it without you. I appreciate you so much. I told Paris the other day, I've never been happier. So yeah, thank same. you. Same. I was much. thinking yesterday, I was thinking back on my life, and I was like, there have been times where I may have, like, been happier with my physical appearance but there's never been a time where I'm happier with who I am as a person which I think then by default means that overshadows the physical part of it oh yeah I just I'm like this is we're peak condition Mm -hmm. we haven't even begun to peak when we (laughs) peak you'll know but you know what I mean it's just like grateful we do our gratitude checks weekly but it's a good Mm -hmm. time of year whether you celebrate or not you know whatever that all kind of stuff. It's always a nice reminder to just be grateful. And mm-hmm. we're, you know, generally grateful. But this is a, a general announcement that thank you. Thank for you. For being here, for tuning in. And uh, you probably turned us off five, ten minutes ago. Fair <laughs> enough. Love you anyway. I still love you. And I'll continue to love you. Absolutely. Well, as always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Say